Welcome to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about the coaching changes in the AFC South. And I brought along someone that definitely is an aficionado of the AFC South. That would be Fox Sports Ben Arthur. What's going on, man? What's up, Mike? Thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but of course, before we start any show, I always do the get off your chest segment. Of course, this uh, this month we're, we're doing Black History Facts and we're going to talk about a particular person that is actually in the NFL and is actually a coach in the NFL, but not the coach you may be thinking of. We're going to talk about Jennifer King. Jennifer King was born on August 6, 1984 in Eden, North Carolina and raised in Reedsville, North Carolina. Um, of course, uh, she went to Gulford College, which is Division Three College in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, where she played college basketball and softball. And after college, she entered the Women's Football Alliance, which is the longest, uh, largest football league for women in the world. And basically, you play an 11 on 11 and it's physical football. It isn't it isn't the touch football. Um, she played quarterback and wide receiver for the uh, Carolina Phoenix Sports from 2006 to 2017 defensive back and wide receiver for the New York Sharks in 2018, and safety for the D.C. Divas in 2019 before calling the career. Now, while she was doing all this, she actually was a coach at Greensboro College uh, for a little while. And then she also was a coach at uh, Johnson & Wales 2016-17 and 2017-18 season. She took that program from being a program that was two years, being removed from just being started, to a national champion just that quick. So her coaching chops have been started, were started very, very early. Now, in 2018, she was one of 40 women to attend the NFL's Women's Forum in 2018. Uh, Let's see, she met Carolina head coach, well, then Carolina head coach, um, Ron Rivera at that time. And, of course, he expressed interest in hiring her. So what he did is he brought her on as an intern, and, of course, she brought her on two seasons, 2018 2019. Now, the 2019 season is interesting because she was a, an assistant wide receiver coach and special teams coach for the Arizona uh, Hot Shots, which was the AAFL, which was very short-lived, as many know. And then, of course, she came back and was a uh, running back's intern the next year. She did she, 2018, she was the wide receiver's intern. 2019, she was the running back's intern. And 2020, of course, uh, you know, she basically, you know, she went to Dartmouth, was an offensive assistant there, offensive assistant there, I should say. And in 2020, Ron Rivera goes to the Washington, well, then the Washington football team. And he becomes head coach there. Of course, he remembers Jennifer King and brings her along as an intern. But she doesn't stay an intern for long. She actually gets promoted to an assistant running back, running backs coach the next next season. And with that becomes the first black woman to become a full-time coach in the NFL. That's the get off your chest segment for this episode. Uh, Ben, did you know all those little background stories about Jennifer King? I did not. That's, you know, very cool. I have heard uh, Jennifer King's name come up the the last few years in terms of being a a pioneer, so to speak, for uh, women um, in the NFL in terms of getting in the coaching space. So, um, you know, that's that's really dope. Um, so, so yeah, it's good to kind of hear that background. And obviously, in regards to Black History Month, um, 
you know, it's it's a time to kind of appreciate that kind of thing. And and obviously this is the touring the AFC South podcast. And something I just think of keep thinking about is just uh, kind of the Titans um, history in, in terms of uh, black quarterbacks and, and what they've kind of done. Right. Like Steve McNair was the first black quarterback to win NFL MVP. Um I believe Warren Moon was the first black quarterback to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, and then you have uh, Vince, Vince Young getting selected in the top three of the 06 draft. Um, so so it's always cool, um, you know, during during February to kind of recognize, uh, you know, black pioneers. And obviously within the football space, it's I think it's a cool thing to recognize and, and appreciate those stories. It definitely is, and I wish Jennifer King all the best. Uh, hopefully, maybe she hears me talking about her someday. Who knows? But um, I definitely uh, had to recognize her because she has done a tremendous job uh, anywhere she's been, and now she is in the NFL, and I definitely had to salute her for that. Now, speaking of coaches, we're going to talk about coaches on this episode. We got a few things to talk about. Mr. D'Amico Ryan's and the Texans the Shane Steichen hire with the Colts. And, of course, we have an offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans to talk about, too. We're going to talk about that and more when we come back from the commercial break on Tour in the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Whether it's local or long distance, Milligan Logistics has you covered. Milligan Logistics was established in 2020 with over a combined 15 years of experience in trucking, hauling and logistics along with over 50 years collectively of project management experience again whether it's near or far milligan logistics has you covered with quality service efficiency while taking pleasure in exceeding clients expectations need goods moved short or long distance milligan logistics has you covered just reach out to them at 615-354 261. All right. Having a little bit of technical difficulties with the commercials, but hey, we'll get ready to bring them back another time. <laughs> All right. So, you know, going into uh, what I was talking about before the break, we're going to talk about coaching changes in the AFC South. And the first one that I want to talk about is D'Amico Ryans going back to his former stomping ground and becoming the head coach of the Houston Texans. Now, did you, you know, before the, the coaching, you know, cycle started and things like that, did you see him potentially landing with the Houston Texans? You know, honestly, I hadn't really given much, a whole bunch of thought to it, but but I knew uh, just from kind of brief, you know, brief research that, you know, D'Amico had played for the Texans. I had totally forgotten that, and um, I – it, obviously, his pedigree um, as a defensive coordinator um, has stood out. But honestly, something with the Texans job like that, that I kept thinking, thinking about early on was like, would they hire a third straight black coach? Like, especially would a black coach even want to take that job after, you know, hiring and canning David Coley after one season and then hiring and canning Lovey Smith after one season? Would a, 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 great black candidate even want to go in that situation. So I, I think, and I even wrote stories on that. So, so I wasn't, um, 
I, I wasn't even D- D'Amico uh, again was kind of a thought because he did play for the Texans, but because of kind of what has happened the past two seasons, I wasn't even sure that that would be a direction that the the Texans could go in. Um, so, so those were honestly kind of my first um, thoughts. Yeah, it kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, but then when, you know, things started happening and then one thing that kind of uh, threw me off, I did think about the, the suit he had against the team at one point in time, an like injury settlement, I believe. Um, I thought that may come into play, but as I later found out, it really wasn't a factor at all uh, when he wanted to become that head coach of that team. Um, so, you know, kind of getting into it, you know, his expertise is defensively. I mean, he, he was the coach of the best defense in the NFL. So defensively, you know, he has a few things that he can work with. Of course, you know, he has a uh, Derek Stingley Jr. He has a Jalen Petrie at safety. Maybe a Christian Harris at linebacker, perhaps, if he can stay healthy. Um, what else? You I mean, do you think he could kind of make things a little better there? Or what else do you think he needs to kind of improve that team defensively? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, you have to start with the run defense. I mean, it was one of the worst run defenses I've seen that in terms of the Texans last season. They were giving up more than 170 rushing yards per game in 2022, which was the worst mark since of any team since 2008. So they, they just got ran over in the trenches, kind of lacked physicality. Uh, we both know what kind of Derrick Henry has done to them uh, historically in, in terms of rushing for over 200 yards and, and kind of that streak. And so I, I think first order of business is kind of fixing that. And I think his pedigree as a former Pro Bowl linebacker and um, kind of how good against the run the 49ers have been. And obviously that all started with uh, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be the first order of business. But like you said, I mean, there, there are, there's a lot of defensive talent for him to work with. Uh, at the top of the list is Derek Stingley, um, as you said, you know, num- number three overall pick in 2021, uh, had a, had an abbreviated rookie season due to injury, but he's a guy who has a lot of talent. Um, Jalen Petrie, I think, is super underrated uh, in terms of national discourse. I mean, he had a hundred and nearly 150 tackles and uh, what five interceptions. <laughs> Uh, it's it just ridiculous numbers. I mean, it's just ridiculous that he had to tackle that much as a safety that <laughs> spoke to kind of how bad they were up front in terms of stopping stopping people. But he's another talent to work with. Christian Kirksey, I think, will flourish under a kind of a linebacker-centric coach. Um, but I think one of the biggest things is that he, he's going to give this defense an identity, uh, one that I think is going to be very multiple and, and versatile, uh, Lovey Smith was known for kind of he's known for that cover too, right? And and it never kind of changed. It was kind of uh, uh, ride or die uh, by it. But uh, but in uh, San Francisco, um, D'Amico Ryan's had a history of kind of using different coverages, and um, and so I think that's going to work to the players' um, advantage. Um, and to the team's advantage. Um, and, and, and in terms of the offense, not always kind of knowing what to expect from the Houston Texans defense, I think that's um, 
didn't help a lot. And then uh, I think it's really nice for the Texans having a defensive minded coach and knowing that you're all, you know, you're, you're going to draft a quarterback right at, at number two. But I think having a strong run game and having a strong defense or like a, a young quarterback's best friend uh, in terms of being able to kind of get your feet underneath you and get comfortable and not having too much pressure on your shoulder. And I think with the way he looks at the game, um, I think that's really going to benefit um, whoever they end up drafting. Definitely, definitely. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, of course, you know, offensively they have a few holes there, but, you know, we we, we kind of want to just talk about the good things when we talk about the Texans right now. But we, we'll, we'll leave the offense alone. Um, as far as trying to speak on some good things, I mean, the Colts have a new head coach, and he's an offensive-minded guy. So that's a good thing for them and Shane Steichen. But, of course, you know, Frank Wright was an offensive-minded guy. We saw what happened last year. So we'll leave that there. But um, – for Jake Arthur, uh, who I talked to earlier in the week, uh, he's a horseshoe. He's the editor, direct, editing director. I'm sorry, deputy director, deputy editor. Okay, <laughs> we'll get it right one day. Deputy editor of uh, Horseshoe Huddle, and he actually is a co-host for uh, Lock on Colts podcast. He actually was uh, saying that you know they uh, this is the guy they wanted, and they thought it was a pipe dream to get him, but they actually got him. So, what are your thoughts on this? higher here yeah i think kind of like the the texan situation i I think it's a a really strong hire i think everything you hear about steichen is is very positive i I think kind of that some of the things that have stood out are first of all just kind of the the diversity of quarterbacks he's worked with right uh Philip Rivers is very different from Justin Field, from uh, not Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert is very different from Jalen Hurts. All of them have different skills, different strengths, weaknesses. And I think in all those stops, you know, with, with, in speaking of the, the Eagles um, and the Chargers, he's been able to get the best out of all of them, even though they are very different. And, and the Colts, like the Texans, they're inevitably going to draft a quarterback. Uh, they might, it looks like they could try to trade up for one. And so having someone who has a, such a vast experience with working with different kinds of quarterbacks, it's going to be a really big thing. Um, I think one thing that is stood out, that stood out from the Colts press conference was them uh, kind of talking about how um, or I think it was Shane talking about how he's really focused on emphasizing or accentuating the strengths of the quarterbacks he's had, which I think is is so important. Um, you know, you have you're going to have a new guy coming in if you're indie and and you want him to get comfortable quickly and and being able to draw from those plays and for, from those concepts that worked for said quarterback in in college. Um, is going to be a big thing. So um, I, I kind of like the hire in that regard. Um, I I do kind of like his philosophy too in, in terms of playing. He, he had said, quote, like, uh, what was it? You, uh, you throw the ball to score and you run the ball to win. And, and I, mm-hmm. think, I, I think in today's NFL, having that kind of mindset – um is is really important um and 
you know, I think they have they have the running back, of course, that they can win with, right? And Jonathan Taylor, assuming he he can get back to what he was in 2021. Um, but I think kind of having that approach is going to be a really big thing. Um, and so, so yeah, everything I've seen on Shane Steichen is is very encouraging. I think he's a guy who's who's humble, who, who's kind of very appreciative of the moment. Um, we saw him kind of get really emotional in that introductory press conference and thanking all those who have um, kind of helped him get to where he is. And, but, but again, kind of going back to his work with quarterbacks, I mean, how highly that Philip Rivers has spoken of him, um, kind of that really close bond that they had, um, you know, I, I think is really encouraging if you're a Colts fan and knowing that you're going to inevitably get a quarterback and the, the head coach and the quarterback are going to have to be in lockstep. And, and I think he has the track record and the pedigree um, that suggests um, he, he'll be kind of successful in that department being the, the Colts head coach. Okay. All right. Now, um, like you mentioned, he has the propensity to uh, work well with different style quarterbacks. Now, there are particular quarterbacks that are going to be available. That would be Mr. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. I mean, Anthony Richardson, if you want to throw his name in there. Um, in your opinion, I mean, you know, they have their pick of who they want. They'll probably have their pick of who they want, or they can try to make that happen. If they had to choose between a C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, which one in your mind do you think they would pick? If if you're saying if Bryce Young isn't on the table, because you said yes, just Stroud and Levis. Yes, if Bryce Young isn't on the table. If Bryce isn't on the table, I would I would definitely lean towards C.J. Stroud. Um, I think Bryce Young was clearly the best quarterback in college football and I think has been the was the last two years and I think number two was CJ Stroud you obviously look at the weapons he had around him uh and the offensive line he had protecting him uh he, he I think he threw for what over 40 touchdowns each of the last two seasons um just ridiculous passing numbers but I think he is he's very accurate quarterback. He's very decisive. Um, he, he's definitely more of a traditional pocket passer. But I think in that semi national semifinal against Georgia, we saw him being able to move and create plays with his legs and get outside the pocket and 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 make magic happen. Uh, so I think that Georgia game really even put C.J. Stroud kind of even higher up there in my mind. I mean, I think Bryce has always kind of been the number one guy for me, but um, I think that Georgia game, a, a team that had the undisputably the best defense in college football um, to, to play the way he did and to move the way he was against those fast D linemen and, and linebackers. Um, I think that was really encouraging. And I think if you're the Colts, um, he should be your guy. Will Levis has a lot of uh, great tools, um, but but I think he was very inconsistent um, at Kentucky. And I, I think 
I, I just feel like CJ Stroud has a higher ceiling. Um, so if if Bryce Young isn't on the table, right? If if the Colts aren't able to get to number one, or if you know Bryce is just completely out of the question, I would definitely lean towards uh, CJ. Um, but but honestly, I, I think if you're the Colts, that's a good problem to have, right? And I'm not saying Will Levis isn't a phenomenal talent. Like he could, Will Levis could honestly, he, he could be the end up being the best quarterback of the bunch. I mean, if you look at it from a five or ten year uh, window, but I, I think where you kind of look at what the, the careers of all three, and if Bryce isn't on the table, um, I would definitely lean heavily on CJ Stroud. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, of course, we're going to talk about the news in Nashville and the officer coordinator change, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're definitely going to get into that one because it's definitely been talked about a lot in Nashville. I'm touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. Did you see my picture at, on the artwork for the show? Well, it was taken by Joshua Silver's photography. Let me tell you, he handled the whole shoot with class and professionalism, and he can do the same for you. Whether it's a model shoot, couples photos, headshots, attorney shoot, senior photos, or more, he has you covered. Just give him a call at 423-557-6746. Again, that's 423-557-6746. Or you can check him out on Instagram at Joshua Silver's Photography to book your shoot. Again, Joshua Silver's Photography, where class and professionalism meets great photos. All right, and we're back. Uh, let's see. We're going to talk about the Titans, but of course... Uh, you know, they made some changes, uh, you know, during this week, of course, with the uh, the uh, releasing of Robert Woods and Taylor Wan, which I'm pretty sure that's uh, been on top of your top of your uh, your headlines for this week and today. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one headline that plenty are talking about is the coaching search that kind of didn't go where people some people thought it would. Um, the Titans did a coaching search. They threw name, there were names thrown thrown out there like Eric the Enemy and Charles Nagy, and all those different names were thrown out there across the NFL. But in the end, they ended up going with a guy they brought in from the Houston Texans. He was a assistant on the team, kind of a passing coordinator, as you as you would say. And then they named him offense coordinator. So basically, a guy that Mike Brabel has history with is now the offensive coordinator here in Nashville for the Tennessee Titans. Now, wow. <laughs> Did you expect to see something different than what you saw? Honestly, I, I did just because they had – the Titans had kind of gone off script when, when they hired Rand Carthon, right? It was a, a fresh voice from outside the organization, someone who could bring, bring in fresh ideas. And I thought just because – of that hire that they may kind of do something similar with the, uh, with the offensive coordinator position. But I think Mike Vrabel kind of reverted to kind of what everyone ultimately expected maybe in the end, in, in terms of 
uh, elevating someone that he was comfortable with for, for the, what, for the third time in five years, there was Arthur Smith. Um, then there was Todd Downing and now there's um, Tim Kelly. I think, I think what what that move showed is what was kind of and I wrote about this, too, was uh, Mike Vrabel wanting to double down on their offensive philosophy, even if it needs changes. Right. They obviously need changes and some tweaks here and there. But I think at the core foundation of the philosophy, like the ground and pound with with Derek Henry, um, that they they believe that can still work. Um, and, and so I think kind of what, that's what it comes down to, right? I, I think I keep thinking about what the Titans offense did when Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator, right? Like two of the best offenses in franchise history. They were obviously run first. Derek was getting like, what, 20 carries a game, but they had a very balanced, efficient, productive um, passing attack, obviously working in that play action, uh, to death with AJ and Corey <laughs> Davis and Jonu Smith and all those guys. And I really think uh, Mike Vrabel wants to get back to that. Um, it, it didn't work with um, Todd Downing, but but I think he believes that they can kind of have something similar to that moving forward with Traylon Burks and Chiga Conquo and maybe one or two other um, guys that they're going to add into the fold this offseason. So I think that's really um, what it comes down to, I think for a lot of fans, it was obviously discouraging, right? Uh, to have someone that was that played a role in kind of maybe the disaster that was the offense. He he had a voice on early downs and on uh, in in the red zone uh, work, and and so I, I think a lot of fans were maybe discouraged. But I, Mike kept kind of in 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 the press conference. He had like right after the moves, he, he was just saying how he was confident that um, Tim Kelly will be able to bring new ideas. And he, he leaned on how uh, he's able to kind of make some magic happen uh, with the Houston Texans and and with a rookie Davis Mills. We, we saw the best Davis Mills in uh, 2021. And, and so um, so I, I could kind of see you know, the, the vision there, but, um, but yeah, I think that's ultimately what that move says is, is kind of a doubling down on the offensive philosophy. Yeah. There needs to be tweaks here and there, and we need some better personnel. And, um, but um, I think it was a clear indication that we could still kind of do this if, if maybe we're not as predictable um, offensively um, and, and kind of run it back, you know, so that's, that's kind of what my impressions were. Yeah, definitely it's going to be interesting just to see, uh, you know, what the changes are, what the different philosophies are, and just what the, the diff different little touches that Tim Kelly puts on this offense compared to the previous season. Because, of course, you do have guys, to be honest, just looking at the offense uh, last year, I felt like some guys were put in positions not necessarily to succeed. For example, Robert Woods, they, they kind of kept lining up outside, but I was like, okay, He's more of a traditional slot guy. Put him in the slot, you'll get the best out of him. But we never really saw him much in the slot until the last game of the season. So, you know, that's just an example in my opinion. But uh, we'll definitely see if he's able to utilize the players to the best of their abilities. But I do have one more question for you on the Titans. Now, being that this is another guy that Mike Vrabel 
is, you know, confides in, believes in, and, you know, the success or, or lack of success last season. Do you think this kind of brings a little bit of heat towards Mike Brable with this hire? Um, I don't know if the hire itself necessarily brings heat on Mike Vrabel, but I do think the heat, the, the temperature has been turned up a bit. Um, you know, I mean, Amy Adams Strong, the, the owner, I mean, it was she, she chose Mike, right? She chose his vision for this team. You know, John and John Robinson, the former GM and Mike Vrabel, they were extended at the same time, right? For their contracts to be in lockstep and then all of a sudden john robinson is fired mid-season in december and and that was a clear indication of a belief in mike's vision uh for the titans um and and a belief in his coaching obviously he had won um ap coach of the year in 2021 um but this past season was a disaster teams are supposed to get better as the this as the year goes on and, and the Titans got worse, they lost their last uh, seven games. Obviously injuries played a role um, and Todd Downing's play calling and, and you deployment of, of kind of all his guys played a role. But I think kind of entering 2023, if the Titans don't kind of get back on track, um, you know, th this is probably going to be a big topic of discussion uh, the following off season. So, so I do think there's pressure on Mike, but I also do believe there is a lot of trust in him in that, in, in the building. Um, and um, I, I do expect him to have a lot more say on kind of personnel moves uh, moving forward with Rand Carthon. I mean, at this point, Mike Vrabel is clearly a very powerful head coach. I would say he's maybe a top five coach in the league in terms of what he's able to get out of the players he has available to him. And, and you hear Rand Carthon speak in his introductory presser, you know, it, it seemed to be all about being in lockstep with Mike Frabel. And, and so I, I do think um, Mike Frabel will have a very big hand in kind of what the team looks like and, and not just coaching um, the players. Um, so um, again, I, I don't think, to, you know, the, the decision to promote, um, Tim Kelly necessarily has anything to do with that. I mean, obviously, if the offense looks like it did last season, then you could obviously look at, oh, well, here's Mike just kind of leaning on the guys he's loyal to and 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 not changing, and it kind of blows up in his face. So that's That would obviously be a discussion point. But I think this is more about the state of the Titans franchise and the direction they're headed and, and trying to get into Super Bowl contention. And, you know, if he doesn't do that, if, if the team doesn't get back on the right track this uh, this season, I think it's it's going to be a really big uh, topic of discussion moving forward. Definitely something to keep our eyes on. But, uh, you know, of course, another thing to keep our eyes on is the game we're about to play <laughs> at the end of the show. Of course, we have five questions, two answers, and we have one choice. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. All right. We got Ryan's or uh, Steichen. Who do you believe in more as a head coach with the current team they have? Who, who do I think will do better? Is that what the question is? Yeah. Who do I think will do better? I think D'Amico Ryans. Um, and I, I just think because of the cap space they have, the draft capital they have, and some really good young talent that they already have on the team, 
and a, a great leader that D'Amico Ryans is known to be, I think he could have a really big impact right away. Not saying that Shane Steichen won't have a great uh, impact, but they have a lot more issues to deal with. Everything about their offense seemed to be wrong. Th their quarterback situation also has to be figured out. Um, yeah, they have a lot of, it was a very chaotic sin, uh, season in Indianapolis. There, there's a lot of questions there. And I think with D'Amico Ryans, there's just a more seamless transition or a, a bigger opportunity to have a massive year one impact. So I would say D'Amico Ryans. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to touch back on uh, the Colts in a, a second. Or what we're going to talk about next is Mr. Ryan Tannehill. Is Ryan Tannehill going to be the starting quarterback, in your opinion, for the Tennessee Titans, or do they go in a different direction, a.k.a. a rookie? I do believe Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback um, in 2023. I believe they will extend him uh, to obviously bring that $36.6 million cap number down i mean that, that's the fifth largest cap number of any nfl player in the league they, they got to bring that down especially to be able to have the um space to kind of improve the team um but malik willis just showed he's not ready there's no clear answer um unless they could somehow Rand carthon can work some magic and trade up in the draft to to get one of the blue chip guys but if none of that can happen i think ryan Tannehill running it back with him extending him and then hoping Malik uh, develops and or eyeing the quarterbacks for 2024 would, would kind of be on the table. So for 2023, I do think um, that Ryan Tannehill will be the Titans starting quarterback. Now we'll say they are at the 11th pick. So, you know, anything is possible, <laughs> but uh, you know, one thing uh, I'll, I'll go into the next one. Let's see. We're going to see, two rookie quarterbacks starting in the AFC South this season. Is that very true to you or, or a false statement? Two. Yeah. Two rookie quarterbacks. Two rookie quarterbacks. Um, I think by the middle of the year, yes. I mean, I, I could definitely see in both cases having kind of bridge guys uh, where – uh, kind of the, the, the quarterback, the young quarterback will have time to develop a little bit and, and really get a grasping of the offense. Like I would not be so surprised, like for instance, to see the Texans go after a guy like, um, like a Jimmy G I've seen some people even throw out Derek Carr, although I, I don't think that's as likely, but Derek Carr has a lot of ties to, um, the Texans front office in terms of, uh, Nick Casario and, and, and whatnot. So, even in both cases, I do see maybe a veteran quarterback um, being being kind of in the mix. But I think by the middle of the year, we could see two starting quarterbacks, uh, two first-year rookie quarterbacks. But to start the year, I would say maybe one. Maybe one starts. One of them starts. Okay. All right. All right. All right. The Titans offense this season coming up. With Tim Kelly at the helm. We're kind of touching on that one one more time. Do you think there's more of uh, the focus on the running game, or do you think the passing game will be a little bit more present for them? Well, I think they, they have to have more of a passing game, right? I mean, it has to be a threat to even open up the run game more. I, I think this offense is still going to run through Derrick Henry, um, even coming off of that Jones fracture in, in – uh, 
2021, he came back and showed that he's still one of the best running backs um, in the league. And so I do think the offense will continue to, to run through him, but I expect Traylon Burks to make big steps. I expect Chigga Conquo to make big steps. Kyle Phillips could kind of show that potential he did in preseason and training camp. And then I think they're going to add some more talent, maybe in the draft or free agency or both. So I, I do think the passing game will be more pre prevalent or at least more of a threat. But but I, I do think this will still be a run-focused team. Gotcha. And I got one more question. Uh, you know, you talked about the Colts earlier, and you talked about them kind of a little bit not not having it together, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm going to mention one guy that I think has the potential to be big time. I mean, box office with this offense. And it's not Michael Pittman Jr. It's tight end Jelani Woods. Now, do you think he's going to be a, a star? I would say this. In this offense, you know, you have you had Goddard play the tight end in the offense for the Eagles the last couple of years, and he stepped out and he's played well. Do you think Jelani Woods is that next tight end in his offense, Shane Steichen's offense, to kind of be that guy for the Colts? Yeah, I, I expect Jelani Woods to make a, a really big step. He's you know very had some very productive games uh, as a rookie last season. He's a very big target, a very athletic target. Has great hands, run runs routes pretty well. Um, and I think when you have a young quarterback, when, when you have someone kind of 10, 15 yards downfield who you can trust, or maybe even like a check down option, um, you know, get some guaranteed chunk yards, right? I, I think having a tight end you can trust is really important. Um, and, and so I, I do expect Jelani Woods to have a, you know, really big role um, in the, in the Col in the Colts offense uh, next season. And I, I think you see, I think just in general, right, we, we see a lot more pass catching tight ends and, and we see how important it is for young or rising quarterbacks to have those tight ends, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes having Patrick Mahomes having Kelsey or Lamar Jackson having Mark Andrews or even going back Tom Brady having Rob Gronkowski, Trevor Lawrence having Evan Ingram, uh, Jalen Hurts having Goddard. I think if you have that guy, you can really trust in the intermediate to short passing game, especially as a rookie quarterback. Um, I think that's that can work to your advantage. So I, I do expect him. To, to, to continue to ascend uh, this coming season. It's definitely going to be something to watch. Him and Chig definitely were two tight ends that I was excited about coming into this uh, this upcoming season, their rookie season. So, you know, definitely going to be something to watch. It could be the division of tight ends potentially very, very soon. And that's the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, Ben. And uh, if you can, tell everyone where they can find your work and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, thank, first of all, Mike, thanks again for having me on. Um, you know, for those listening, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ben Y. Arthur. That's just uh, ben, and, ben and Arthur and with a Y in between, all one word on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram. And then in terms of my work, you can find me on foxsports.com um, and all my Jags, Titans, um, Colts, and um, – what I'm forgetting the fourth team, <laughs> uh, the AFC South teams, uh, all the AFC South <laughs> content, uh, you can find me uh, on foxsports.com. So thanks again, Mike, for having me. 
Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.